Thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning and uh, look forward to all that God has to do in and through us today. I'm thankful to have the privilege of preaching today. Uh, for some reason, I preached here for Easter several years ago, and there was a good turnout, and always is at Easter, but I'll be able to tell my grandkids in years to come that Grandpa preached one Easter, and they couldn't get everybody into the church. That being said, let me share with you now Matthew chapter 27, beginning to read in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let him be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many." Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. I'd like to share with you this morning five miracles of Calvary. The first miracle would be that of the Son. The Bible says that in the sixth hour, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, or from about 12 noon to about 3 that afternoon, there was total darkness. Back in January, which seems like years ago now, I took the senior adults down to uh, LaBelle Haven Baptist and Brother Dean preached for us, the pastor there, and he asked in that meeting if we had ever been in complete darkness. And he talked about being in a cave when the lights were turned out and talked about how dark it was and you couldn't even see his hand in front of his face. Some of you will remember just a few months back when a tornado came through Olive Branch and several of you were without power and you know that uh, you were in the dark for the, that, that length of time. Now, from 12 to 3 is not the normal time for everything to get dark and let's just say it this way. If it does get dark, something ominous is happening. I believe with all my heart that the sun got up that morning just like it had done for the previous 12,245 times prior to that while Jesus walked upon the face of this earth and the sun said, I wonder what He's going to do today. What, what would Jesus, the Son of God, do today? Is He going to heal the sick? Is He going to raise the dead? Maybe He's going to walk on the water or feed a crowd. What will He do next? But on this day, the sun looked down from where it was perched in the sky and saw mankind murdering their Maker. He is so ashamed that He hides His face. The sun, 865,000 miles in diameter. The sun, 93 million miles away from this earth. The sun, some 109 times larger than the earth. And the sun, which you could place 1,300,000 earths within it, that sun went out for three hours. I heard a lady one time when talking about this, she said, Oh, bless your heart, it was just an eclipse. No, it wasn't. 
An eclipse is when the moon passes between the sun and the earth and it usually lasts, we are told, for about seven minutes. This lasted for three hours. I'm telling you, the Bible says the sun went out. Now in my way of thinking, only the one who created the sun could ever have enough power to extinguish it for a period of time like this. I remember when I came to First Baptist, we had a lot of lights over in the gymnasium. They were halogen lights. And you'd flip the switches on, and it'd be like the early morning. You'd see that sun start to come up. Those lights would start to warm up, and they would get brighter and brighter and brighter. And it would be great. But if you ever turned the switch off, it took forever for those things to light back up. We tend sometimes to forget that God is all-powerful. If He has the power to create something like the sun, is what we're talking about, and if He has the power to allow it to light the earth and to warm this earth from all that far away, surely He has the power to extinguish it. No wonder the hymn writer of old, Isaac Watts, wrote these words, Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glories in when Christ, the mighty Maker died for man, the creature's sin. The sun is a miracle of Calvary. There's a second miracle that would be the sanctuary. The Bible says that within that sanctuary, the veil was rent in two from top to bottom. Now, understand this wasn't just some sheet hanging up there to separate one room from the other. Most of y'all know that my wife does a lot of work with fabric and with quilts, so I'm learning a lot about fabric these days. That piece of fabric that had been hanging up there for years and years was a woven fabric from 72 different strands and approximately 24 different types of thread. Most of us know that there is strength in uniting cords, so most certainly this fabric was a strong fabric. It was about 60 feet long, and it was about 30 feet wide. And let me just say it this way. You don't tear something like that just like that. There was a purpose for that fabric being up there. Old Testament tells us that on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take a lamb into the outer court and kill that lamb, and then would take a golden bowl and collect the lamb's blood into that bowl. Then he would tie a rope around the, the, his left leg, and then he would walk from the altar to the lavalier, and then he would wash his hands. Doesn't that seem appropriate to share this year? when everyone's washing their hands, that high priest would wash his hands. He would then take that bowl of blood and he would walk into the holy place. There within the holy place was a candelabra. There was a table of showbread. And there was the altar of incense. He would go past that and he would reach out with his right hand and push back that heavy fabric curtain. And very reverently, he would enter into the holy of holies. There sits the Ark of the Covenant, covered with gold, with a mercy seat, and two cherubim facing each other. He would very reverently approach that mercy seat, and he would sprinkle blood on top of it. Oh my goodness, doesn't it just give you goosebumps? Then in the Hebrew, he would say, Lord, I atone for the sins of Israel and of Judah. 
The blood would be sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And as that blood hit the mercy seat, it would start to sizzle, sounding just like bacon frying. And when it did, it would bring about the Shekinah glory cloud into the place. And it begs the question at this point, why the rope? Well, in the presence of God, you would easily die unless your sins have been paid for by the blood. And if that high priest died, there would only be one way to get him out. That would be to drag him by that rope because nobody's going in there to get him. So very slowly, if he's still living at this point, he begins to push his left foot back. And then he uh, makes it even with his right foot. Then his left foot goes back again. And then his right foot. I guess you could say it's kind of an Old Testament moonwalk. And he continues this until he backs his way all the way out of the Holy of Holies. Listen, friend, when Jesus died and said, It is finished, God reached down with his finger and rips the veil in two from top to bottom. The Bible says that in the book of Hebrews that many priests believed when this happened. Now, where I come from in Alabama, we would call this a Malox moment. What do you mean, Brother Bill? What I mean is, in this day and age in which we live, when everyone is so concerned about the coronavirus and keeping sheets of plastic to separate us, to keep our social distancing, to keep all of us apart, the one thing that kept us apart from God Almighty had been rent in two. So what in the world did the people think would happen? That very thing that separated them was torn in two. So they were fearful for their lives because what would a holy God do? And yet, the great news is, instead of a fearful thing, God oozes out, if you want to say it that way. And in essence, He says, Hey, come on in, boys. Make yourself at home. Your sins have been paid for by the blood of My Son. That, friends, is a miracle of Calvary. There's a third miracle I'll share with you. Not just the sun, not just the sanctuary, but what about the stone? The Bible says in this passage we read, the stone did quake and they cried out. Think about that for a moment. The creator of the entire universe hanging on a cross suspended between heaven and earth. Why? Where in the world is O Bartimaeus? I mean, think about it. Jesus healed him from being blind. Surely Bartimaeus would be at the cross to support Jesus, but he's not there. Where's old Nicodemus? I mean, Nicodemus was lost and Jesus saved him. Surely he's going to be there to speak up for Jesus Christ, yet he's not at the cross. What about Jairus? Jesus stopped a funeral by healing his little girl. Surely if anybody's going to be there, he would be there in support, but he's not at the cross either. Where's Malchus? Malchus was struck by Simon Peter with a sword, had his ear cut off, only to have Jesus reattach it. I'm sure that when he had that ear reattached, he heard far better than he ever heard in all of his life. Surely he would have a good word to share for the Master, but he's not at the cross either. Where's Lazarus? He was dead and Jesus brought him back to life. He should have a word to share for the Lord, but he's not at the cross. Where's Martha? She was in the kitchen when Jesus came, but she's not at the cross. 
Thomas is too busy doubting. Matthew's probably too busy collecting taxes. Philip is probably looking for his father. Simon Peter is recoiling from hearing that rooster crow. No one is at the cross except for Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and John. It's almost as if God looked down and said, Okay, boys, if no one else is going to speak up for you, quake. And the earth did shake. You see, all of creation obeys His commands. All God has to do is speak. And when He does, all of creation obeys. The Bible says that the rocks cried out. I don't know about you, but I can't help but wonder what they said. I believe that maybe they said something like, This is Jesus, the Son of the living God. Years ago, I served at a church in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, our pastor, Clyde Williams, is in glory now. But I remember he was preaching one night, and it was one of those lackluster nights when people weren't just too excited And I remember he came out to the edge of the pulpit and he said, I believe with all my heart, sometimes when we fail to praise Him, if we were to look out the window, we see the pebbles in the parking lot bouncing up and down saying, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! I love the memories of Dr. Vance Havner. Great man of God who was about as big around as my little finger. He would stand at the pulpit and he would hold on to the pulpit for dear life. He He never went away from it. And he talked like this through his nose. Dr. Havner once said, Many a service begins at 11 o'clock sharp and ends at 12 o'clock dull. I I don't understand that sometimes. We ought to be excited when we come to church. Or maybe uh, the story about the little boy who came to church with his mama and his sister and he walks in and he sees the flags on either side of the sanctuary and one of them's the Christian flag and he says, Oh mama, what's the Christian flag for? And she says, it's in honor of all the Christians. And then he looks and sees the American flag. And he says, Mama, what's the American flag for? And she says, oh, it's for those who died in the service. And his response was, was it the morning service or the evening service? (laughs) I never have understood why we don't get excited at church. Why in the world do we go to a ball game and scream like a Comanche Indian and then come to church and sit like a wooden one? I tell you one thing, we ought to get some practice in down here because when we get to heaven, we're going to shout down the glory. There's a fourth miracle of Calvary. Not just the sun, not just the sanctuary, and not just the stone. The fourth one will be sepulcher. We have a tendency sometimes to overlook verse 52 and 53 in this passage. The Bible says that graves split open and many came back to life. And the Bible further says that they went into the city and appeared to many. I believe that when Jesus said, it is finished, graves opened up and people came up out of the grave. I'm sure that the Grave Diggers Union had a rough weekend that weekend. After the resurrection, they got up. I believe, I'd believe that Jesus is the Son of God if dead people got up and started walking around. My hometown, I have a dear friend. Her name was Selma Parker. She's in glory now. But she loved Jesus with all her heart. I remember when she died, I left college that day and went and sang at her funeral, her graveside service in Red Level, Alabama. And I want to tell you, if Selma Parker walked in that door right now, I'd make sure I believe 
Can you imagine a young man walking down the road when he runs into an elderly man who's coming the other way? And that young man says, Hey, sir! Hey, sir! Have you had a good weekend? And the old man looks at him and says, Uplifting. Don't you know? Have you heard about what happened this weekend? And the old man says, Ah, son, what do you mean? The young man says, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. They laid him in a tomb, and now they're saying that he's risen from the grave. They said that some graves have opened up and dead people are walking around. Oh my goodness, sir, have you ever heard anything like that? By the way, sir, what did you say your name was? And the old man looks at him and says, Abraham. What about, he goes a little bit further down the road and he sees a man sitting on the side of the road playing on a harp and says, Sir, what's your name? To which he responds, King David. Listen, God still has power over death, over hell, and over the grave. He always has and he always will because he is Lord of all. There's one last miracle I want to share with you this morning. And that is that of the soldiers. In this passage, the centurion, when he saw Jesus on the cross, said, Truly, this was the Son of God. He was pretty close. The only thing wrong with what he said was he put it in the past tense. He should have said he is the Son of God. But he was dead. There, were theolo there are theologians that say that Jesus, no, they, he merely swooned when he was on the cross. And when they took him down from that cross and put him in the coolness of the tomb, he revived. Now, I don't know a lot of Hebrew, but I believe there's a Hebrew word for that. And it would be pronounced like this. Hogwash! Believe it. I don't believe it for a moment. When you get saved, the power, same working power that leads you into salvation, that would be that of the Holy Spirit, is the same power that brought Jesus up from the dead. The same power that will one day blow the trumpet for the return of Jesus Christ. And I just want to say that when He comes back, I sure hope Congress is in session that day. Why do you wonder that, Brother Bill? Because I want to see some of those jokers bow their knee. One day the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just want to say to the glory of God the Father, what a day, glorious day that will be. I kind of imagine that after this took place, that centurion took some vacation time. I could see him walking, his, making his way back home. He had been taught all of his life about the atrocities of the Roman Empire. They believed that Caesar was God. And so I could see him getting home and his daddy asking him how he liked his new job. Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. It made me sick when I heard that I had to go to Jerusalem and serve with a bunch of Jewish zealots. I didn't want to go, but they told me I had to. And the daddy looks at him and says, Son, son, you look a little different. And the man replies, Daddy, something happened to me that day. We were taking care of a crucifixion, and it was just a regular crucifixion. But the man on the middle cross, he looked over at one of the other thieves, and he said that today he would be with him in paradise. And when he died on that cross, Daddy, the sun went out for three hours, and the earth began to shake. Oh, Daddy, I believe he is the Son of God. You know, the best news that I have for you this morning, it's not the sun. It's not the sanctuary. It's not the stone and it's not the sepulcher. 
the best news I have for you today is that Jesus is still in the soldier-saving business. And He is here in this place. He is here there with you right now. And He wants to save those that are lost. And let me just say it this way. He can still do it. I remember for years we have gone from this church down to Honduras on mission trips. And so often we have come back and told this church about all the many people that gave their hearts to Jesus Christ on that mission trip. What a great time it was. Did you see the insurance commercial this, within the past couple of weeks? I was taken by it. It says, there's, big, there's a big sign that says, Our hope has not been canceled. Guess what, folks? Neither has ours. Our hope today is in Jesus Christ, and I am just crazy enough today to believe that whosoever will may come. I don't write songs. I've led many of them, but one that uh, I really love is Because He Lives. So often we omit verses, but this one's just too good today to leave out. It goes like this. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days. This child can face uncertain days. This child can face uncertain days because he lives, because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know He holds the future and life is worth a living just because He lives. Maybe you're listening today and you have a prayer request. Here in a few moments we will have a time of invitation and the chat room will be open on the website. There will be people there that would love to share that prayer need with you. I would encourage you to just hit that live chat button. Or maybe... God has spoken to you today and you realize that you've never truly come to know that one in whom to know is life eternal. What better celebration of Easter than to know that someone has come back into the fold, has come home, has said yes to Jesus. What about you? Will you say yes to Jesus even now? Father, I love you. I thank you for this time that we have together, and I thank you for the precious truths of your word 
and that we know for a fact that Jesus is alive. Speak to hearts even now, and we'll praise you for it. We love you and lift our prayer in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.